0: You're listening to Money Talks. My name is Michael Campbell. Money Talks brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, which means you as an investor get paid first. You're first in line. There are no fees attached. It's in the tech area. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. You know, I get asked all the time, how are we as individuals going to survive this incredible period of change we're living in? I mean, clearly some people are already getting killed. I'm thinking of savers. Uh, workers in the resource industry, others displaced by technology. I I really worry for unskilled, semi-skilled workers, and they all immediately come to mind. And the changes are just starting. On this show, I spent a lot of time dealing with the most important trend, though, that's already driving financial markets and creating social unrest, and that is the declining confidence in government. This is the big one that's going to move everything. I mean, long before Donald Trump came along, I was talking about the decline of the welfare state. And that doesn't sit well, by the way, with big government advocates and others that put their faith in government or specific politicians. But nonetheless, the evidence continues to grow. You think the social unrest that's rampant throughout Europe, which I might add is very underreported by our media, or the inner city unrest in the U.S. is a reflection of confidence in government? Uh, Do you think Donald Trump's popularity is because people have confidence in government? This is a trend in the implications for the financial markets that, have, that are just huge. In Vancouver, for example, you see it already. The upper end of the real estate market has been fueled by money coming from China and Iran seeking safety. In the U.K., real estate value has been pushed by money from the Middle East and Ukraine, again, seeking safety. This is a key to understand. Every time there's trouble in the world, money pours into U.S. treasuries looking for a safe haven, and that pushes the dollar up. Our dollar down, uh, comparatively, interest rates down. The declining confidence in government is just beginning, though. Europe's imploding. I mean, the sovereign debt crisis, youth unemployment, social unrest, and now the mishandling of the refugee crisis could well be the final nail in the coffin of the progressive welfare state. I suspect it is. Now, before you jump on the email to tell me I'm clueless, keep in mind that last month Angela Merkel clearly stated that multiculturalism is a lie assimilation is the key here's a question which part of that european state model has been a success i mean it's tough to find because certainly not in the employment front or economic growth front now you got the social unrest front yet canada's self-described progressive left wants to bring those same policies to our country both the federal level and now most notably in alberta and ontario i mean seriously can't they even find europe on a map Europe's big government model hasn't solved their social or economic problems. It's exacerbated them. I mean, you just have to look. Drop the ideology for a moment. Which part of Europe do you want to borrow? So back to the question I get asked regularly. How do I personally survive the period, maybe even thrive? Well, first off, understand that things are going to get even more volatile. The rate of change is going to get even more intense. There's going to be more social unrest, even violence, as governments are unable to keep those promises, and are increasingly seen to benefiting only a small cadre of insiders, bureaucrats, and cronies. Secondly, your first line of defense is to be engaged, and to think critically. But sadly, as philosopher Bertrand Russell observed, in quotes, most people would rather die than think, in fact, they do so. I'm amazed how determined most, including our political and special interest group leaders, are you know, work so hard to ignore the blatant changes that are engulfing us. Think about this one. When's the last time you heard a union leader with a new idea? They play from the same songbook they have for 20, 30, 40, and 50 years. That will not be good enough. And again, go ahead, say I don't have a clue. You just watch. By the way, I'm always on about this because the consequences are going to be devastating to pretending it's business as usual. But who first? especially for those who rely on government. And the first to suffer are going to be the most vulnerable. We'll work our way up the food chain from there. Now, this is where I usually get the emails telling me I don't know anything and I'm stupid and all that stuff. Yet the numbers are clear. When the financial crunch came to Southern Europe, it wasn't the government elites or bureaucrats who suffered. It was the poor. The German uh, Institute for Macroeconomic Research found that Greece's poorest households lost nearly 86% of their income in the first few years of their sovereign debt crisis, while the richest lost only 17 to 20%. Of course, it makes sense. I mean, if every government service was cut back, who do you think has the financial wherewithal to find a substitute? Obviously, it's not the poor. It's the well-to-do. So, back to you. Make sure you can handle your debt load. I mean, it's a global debt crisis, so you value your cash. Pay attention to your personal finances. Pay attention to what's going on financially and economically. I'll tell you this, your politicians, your union leaders, special interest groups aren't going to save you. No, they're too busy saving themselves. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club, information on it can be found at soleraclub.com. Oh, by the way, shout out to Lee and Linda in Ioco, Ioco, rather, Ioco, B.C., longtime listeners. And hello to their friend, Tony, who thinks I'm a complete idiot. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Somebody who's not, who's been searching, searching for the top three stories of the week. And here's a hint. uh, Robert Levy's going to be with me. Robert Levy's here. And one of his top stories is not Justin Trudeau holding two pandas. We'll find out what it is. We'll be back with Robert Levy. I've got a great quote of the week for you coming up. I hope you stay with us for that. Plus, I've got a big, fat idea. wait till you hear that one. Right now, though, Robert Levy joins me with the top three stories that smart people are talking about. Rob, what's number three?
1: Well, number three this week, Mike, and it's a theme that's been playing out this year, is the demand for high-grade corporate debt. And Warren Buffett is just the latest. His Berkshire Hathaway issuing $9 billion U.S. in debt this past week.
0: Wow. You know, of course, it's the big theme is that search for yield. Everybody's looking around to where can I get? And, you know, as you well know, uh, you know, you're seeing this negative interest rate environment, record low interest rate environment. We talk about it here, but I think we may be the only place in the media that regularly talks about, which is it's killing savers. It's hurting pension funds. So, yeah, they're in search of getting a little better yield. And that quality corporate market seems to be on fire.
1: It absolutely is, and it's in stark contrast to what we saw in the junk bond market to start this year, and that's largely to do with the energy market and everyone divesting or selling off those bonds for cheap, but you look at, as you said, the, high, the high-grade corporate market, and they're just so in demand. Warren Buffett issuing about $9 billion in debt, and they said there was demand for about $30 billion in debt, and you look at elsewhere in the market this year, and they're just going at a record pace, all the big names. There was the famous Anheuser-Busch as they merged uh, with Sab Merle- Miller earlier this year and they did 46 billion in debt to be able to pay for that but they're just oversubscribed and and everyone on these bond desks are worried how is this much corporate debt going to be going into the market and can we absorb it but people are looking for yield as you said and there's no problem with these high grade corporates going to market with this much debt
0: what's the number two story
1: Number two story, for the first time since the 1990s, since Stats Canada has been keeping track, more Canadians own American assets than Americans own Canadian assets. So Canada is officially a creditor to the U.S.
0: Oh, that's interesting. You know, this is one of the sides, by the way, when we always talk about foreign ownership, People, I think, on one level, they don't appreciate that Canadians, in terms of volume, are the biggest buyers of U.S. real estate, second biggest buyers in Australia. So, yet there's a lot we don't know, we don't seem to be aware of. Let's say on that score.
1: No, certainly isn't. But I I think, as you said, there's there's two very interesting aspects to the story, and one you highlighted, and that's Canadians going outside this country to hold foreign assets because they're looking for a more attractive return, as you've been suggesting. There's a currency play involved with that. But also from the other side of that, and it speaks to the divestment out of Canada over the past year, and that's what I think is a little bit more troubling side of this story, is Canada is a very small open economy in a global world, and we rely on U.S. investors to come into our marketplace. So this story, I mean, if it's a trend that's going to play out or we'll watch it closely, but doesn't mean Americans don't see a good rate of return in Canada anymore, And I think that's maybe the more troubling sides or cautionary sides of this story.
0: Yeah, my bet, though, is that the low in the Canadian dollar, the low levels are going to start sneaking in. And that's where we saw, you know, the purchase of lows, for example. We've had another couple of high-profile purchases of U.S. companies coming in and purchasing uh, here Uh, you know when Lowe's buys I think it was Rona you know that kind of stuff I I think it's going to come and I think you're going to see it anecdotally we've already seen it up at Whistler for example with Americans coming in and purchasing some properties in Whistler so I think you're going to see that number shift and simply because we've put our country on sale
1: yeah and I absolutely agree with you this might just be a short-term play where where Canada can claim that creditor status for once yeah there you go what's number one The number one is the big story of the week. The Bank of International Settlements sort of highlighting it. They came out with a report last Sunday and they're thought of as a central banker, two central banks, but they're warning, they're issuing a warning on negative interest rates and it's in light of the ECB announcement on Thursday.
0: Uh, and again i mean this is the big challenge is that well first of all i don't see where negative interest rates have solved anything first of all you know that's why they keep having to do it it is key that europe is doing it but you know uh boy this is just another reminder of what you were just talking about uh, at the outset with uh people in search of yield you know the corporate bond market man is it a tough environment for someone who wants sort of reliable savings style investments
1: I absolutely agree with you, and where they highlighted, too, is they questioned the efficacy of negative rates, whether or not it's actually going to work. As you said, we saw it in Japan uh, earlier about a month ago and again in Europe, and counterintuitively, we actually saw their currencies rally off these announcements of going further into negative territory, and they rely on the negative currency there in order to give their economies that boost or that stimulus. So that's yeah. one aspect of it. but another. It, it is,
0: but it hasn't worked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. But, but the other aspect, too, and it's something Bill Gross, famous bond investor, pointed out earlier this week, is it's killing their financial institutions. It's absolutely squeezing them And in, in order, as he says, to have a, a, an effective capitalism system in place. You need strong financial institutions, and they're looking very weak right now in, in countries in Europe.
0: Yeah, as I say, it is an incredible time, and the negative rates to me are just – one of those big things I try and throw in people's faces to remind them of it's not business as usual. Rob, thanks very much. Great stuff. Thanks, Mike. Rob Levy here with the top three stories. Coming up, though, stay with me because I got a big fat idea to make some money. Jason Ayer is going to be with me. Learn to train global. Uh, very interesting kind of strategy that he's got. Again, stuff that just to remind you to extend your toolbox there. Also, looking forward to this. We have not had Jack Crooks on for an age. Black Swan Capital, Jack Crooks is coming. I got a shocking stat. And coming up, I've also got my quote of the week. Stay with us. Coming up, I've got a shocking stat for you. Time now, though, for Mike's big fat idea. Joining me is Jason Ayres. you know him from Learn to Trade Global. Now, Jason, I know for a while you've been talking about getting gold miners back into the portfolio, but you've got a specific strategy around that that we're going to have to walk pretty slowly through. So what is it?
2: (laughs) Well, I, I like the idea, and thanks, by the way, for having me on this uh, this morning. I like the idea of, uh, of taking a decisive position, utilizing a caller strategy.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and so your listeners will likely be familiar with the covered call, which I think uh, is a topic that's been uh, discussed quite at length on your show. They'll likely also be familiar with a protective put. So really all we're doing is we're simply combining the two. And what okay, it, allows so let me it just,
0: do, I'm going to back you up just for a sec.
2: Absolutely. OK,
0: so let's take an example. Give me a stock.
2: OK, so I'm like an AEM, an Eco Eagle. It's been on a really nice uh, run to the upside. Uh, the challenge is, you know, it may give a little bit back, but uh, sometimes if you don't take action, uh, you get left behind. So uh, an Eco Eagle is looking like a great opportunity for this strategy.
0: Okay, so you've bought the stock, and now you're going to sell. Let's just piece it together. Now you're going to sell a covered call. In other words, you're going to sell someone the right to purchase that stock from you. What, what price will we look at? About So this is an example. So,
2: so the, sh- the shares are, were sitting around uh, the 48.50 mark when I was uh, when I was strategizing uh, with this, and I was looking at selling the 52 strike call option expiring in April, and that's going to bring in. A uh, $1.60 in premium.
0: Okay. So you give someone the right to purchase it right through April. We won't bother with the dates, but right through April, they get to get it from you at $52. And what do they pay you for that?
2: So they're going to pay me a $1.60 per share for the right to own the stock at 52
0: Okay. So that's in your pocket no matter what. Now exactly. you're also going to protect yourself. You're going to buy a put, which gives you the right to sell that stock. You know to someone through the same bit dates in april so you're buying like an insurance policy no matter well, if hell that's... freezes over you get to sell the stock at 48 uh what do you get in for that
2: so so when i'm uh when i'm paying for that uh, insurance policy it's going to cost me two dollars and sixty cents per share okay. Okay.
0: okay so there you go we've got the stock we're going to give someone the right to buy it from us at 52. But, you know, if something really bad happens, we're protected. We can sell it at
2: 48. So tell us how it works from there. So what happens is the premium that we collected from the covered call helps us pay for our insurance policy. So the maximum risk that on our portfolio or on our position, sorry, uh, ends up being $1.50 per share or about 3%. So that stock could go down, back down to 40 bucks within the month and our maximum risk is a dollar is a dollar fifty.
0: Okay. So our maximum risk is a dollar fifty. But let's say the stock goes up, what are we going to make on this over the next row? Well, really, it's just over a month.
2: Well that's right. So so if the stock goes up, when we consider the cost of what we'll call our insurance policy, we actually have a profit potential of two dollars and fifty cents. Okay. So we have a risk of a dollar fifty we have an upside profit potential of two dollars and fifty
0: cents. And it all can and and again, keep in mind the time frame, everyone. You're talking about a five percent gain if it yes. goes your way, but you're talking about that in a month.
2: That that's exactly it. And yeah. what happens is the investor has a number of choices that they can um, look at, uh, depending upon how the stock behaves within that time frame.
0: Um, who, so who is this for kind of, I'm trying to, you know, is like uh, is it a trader or a risk? I mean, where does this fit? Cause people are looking for, uh, for income, but this isn't like a Canada savings bond either.
2: Well, no, I mean, uh, so, so this is more for somebody who is looking for, I'm going to say conservative growth, because what we're doing is we are protecting our downside, um, initially. Yeah. And and so with that in mind, we, we know what our maximum risk is, and we've also identified our maximum upside potential. So we could put this strategy in place and really just let the market do what it's going to do. And yeah. in April, uh, we we're either going to realize a loss of $1.50 or we're going to recognize a gain of $2.50. Now, that's the very passive approach, but we can also yeah. be active if we want.
0: Yeah, but I think your point's well taken. By buying that put, you have protected yourself to the downside. That's the key there. And so that's why you know in advance going in, this is what I'm risking. And we chose April as a time date, but you could have done it. You know, the numbers will change, but you could have done the same strategy you know, buying a stock you like, which is key, selling a covered call, but protecting yourself on the downside with a put. So that's really the thing. And uh, and if you want to impress someone tonight at a cocktail party, tell them in the morning you were talking about call, the caller strategy. Jason, exactly. that's great stuff. And it's a reminder of, as you know, I believe very firmly, we need this kind of stuff in our investor's toolkit in this kind of environment. Great to have you. Jason Ayers, Learn to Trade Global. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day
0: learn to trade global.com stay with me i've got the quote of the week i've also got jack crooks i mean that's important also to note there hey just a reminder though you can go to MoneyTalks.net, and it's absolutely free by the way the articles that we have up every day there so keep that in mind uh and always some uh great stuff but uh the articles are uh, absolutely free but also you can sign up and you can get on our uh, what mike's reading list that kind of stuff and i just think it's important that you stay uh, in tune top th- three articles this past week uh, the legend richard russell has a great article up there plus they talked about four high paying yield ra- uh, real estate investment trust they're paying up to 11 percent for goodness sakes I guess that got a lot of interest. Another really interesting one called Cash, Guns, and Safes. uh, Stress is spreading, in other words. But yeah, all of that's for free. It's up there right now. Uh, Plus, of course, go to moneytalks.net. You can listen to the daily business comment every day, the updated uh, midweek Money Talks report and anything on this show. So stay with us. I got Jack Crooks, and I got the quote of the week. Great stuff.